We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, The Bearcast. We are back, but we are remote. I am at home. Andy is at home. This was the only time that worked in our recording, so we are recording via Skype. Uh, so if the sound quality isn't up to par, please be understanding. Um, yes, we are trying to make our schedules work as much as possible. Yep. Don't blame Rob. Blame me. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Goodness. Yeah. Just blame the both of us. I was too busy... Uh, playing around with a with like a six-month-old baby absolutely Dude, adorable. so cute those cheeks are amazing yes i think they're i think they're gonna explode at some point they're so big yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, oh my goodness but all right let's let's get right to it i know this is a, a, a late recording um but man do we have a lot to talk about um regarding this past weekend holy crap so we're not going to have any top of the line items. We're just going to get straight into the Arizona game. So let's start with uh, let's start with what the the ambiance was like. Just because it is a it was an early game, five o'clock, not too late. Um, I think the five o'clock tip kickoffs are definitely the best time slot because you get a little bit of the you get a little bit of the like the the daylight, and then towards the end of the game you get that nighttime with the with the floodlights on feel. Dude, I agree. It was great. It, it honestly was. Uh, I didn't show up to the CGB tailgate once again, um, but I did meet up with my buddies at Raleigh's having the, for the game off, and just to be able to be in there as a fan, um, you know, it was it was special in the sense that we we it's awesome being in the booth, and uh, but it's a totally different experience when you go and you get back into the stands and. Um, the five o'clock start was perfect. I mean, you get most of the day and then leave around three o'clock and you get two hours before the game and you head up to the stadium. It's beautiful. You watch the most gorgeous sunset. Um, and you know, it's still relatively warm out warm enough where I made the mistake of wearing shorts. And then later in the game that became increasingly less of a good decision, but, uh, the ambiance, the vibe just, getting to see a bunch of old classmates like running into people at Raleigh's and uh, Henry's and um, you know it there's just something special about it Cal game day and um, the fact that the team is so competitive too it's like you do all that and then we're so accustomed to just like losing and losing in devastatingly difficult ways not that this wasn't difficult but it was so much so much of a difference 
And to get that from the fan perspective rather than the analyst perspective was great. Yeah, I mean, I missed this game because I was at a wedding out in San Rafael, so I only got to watch the game via DVR recording. But it seemed like from the Snapchats, the Instagram stories, from all the people I know that were at the game, it looked like it was a fun time. Yeah, I'm going to force you to not be in the booth for the Stanford game. Mm, I might have to take you up on that. I might have. To, I actually might have to. That, that Stanford game, I mean, we'll talk about it in our preview and, you know, leading up to it during big game week. But, man, that that's that's an enticing game now. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. I'm getting hyped for that game, and it's, like, still, like, three weeks away. So, all right, let's get into the game, though. All right. As sad as it is, we, we got to talk about this game. So let, <laughs> let's I'll, I'll give you guys the, the, the basic rundown. Um, Cal, Arizona walks in first time since our 2014 meeting uh, with the Hill Mary incident um, out in Tucson. So it's, it's been quite a bit. Um, but this game goes into overtime. Cal loses 45 to 44. Um, we took it into the second overtime, and in the second overtime, Wilcox decides to go for two. Um, can't convert in the back from a Ross Bowers throw to the back of the end zone, and ball game. So this is—I mean, look—I'm looking at this. I'm, at the kickoff time officially was 5:08. The official end time of the game was 8:51. Like that is an awesome, awesome start to finish, despite the fact that this was a double overtime game. So, yeah, how awesome! Yeah, that's that's oh my goodness. Uh, some other stats to get into for you. Cal, 31 first downs, Arizona, 24. Um, Cal had 17 passing first downs, whereas Arizona had 15 rushing first downs. So you could tell who was throwing and who was running this entire game. Um, and then net rushing yards, Arizona, 345. Cal, 172. But pass and then um, passing, Arizona, 166. Cal, 301. So there, that's that's pretty much the gist of it right there in terms of how what the offensive play calling was yeah um, and yeah I mean other than that you know time of possession Cal had 35 minutes uh, Arizona at 25 a lot of it just came down to execution um, really uh, the big the big stat lines for Cal was Patrick Laird had 135 yards um, on 28 carries only five yard lost so a net of 130 yards two touchdowns an average of 4.6 like that's stellar yeah he was great he was really good i mean yeah we'll get into it but his first touchdown alone that was like oh my goodness uh, but yeah uh wide receiver wise vic warden had eight catches for 96 yards kind of i had six for 79 yards and a touchdown so not a we spread the ball pretty well um other, like to our two guys and then you know laird singleton got some malik got a touchdown and some other guys but yeah i guess let's let's get right into it all right. Uh, what were your initial thoughts of the game? I guess, I guess since we're talking about the game, let's let's go with the ending. Are you okay with the two the two point per conversion call? Yeah, man, I'm more than okay with it. And I thought there was a really interesting discussion on the blog this week where you had a lot of people advocating saying, uh, like statistically, it still wasn't in our favor to go for it there. And I can't really argue against that. Um, I just don't mind it. I, it just didn't seem like a game that, and, and people might really disagree with this, but it just didn't really feel like a game that mattered as much to us 
um, as I think it did to Arizona. And it's like, uh, my biggest issue with it actually isn't the going for two. Uh, I thought that it was the right call, like go for the win. And the defense was just gas at the end of the game. I mean, nothing like you, you had two possessions in overtime that were just like, one was an immediate score. And the second was like one stop and then an immediate score. So you kind of were like, well, they can't stop them. And uh, the, you came up in what I saw initially was Arizona's defense did not know what was going on. Like their players were jumping up on the line. They're like very confused that Cal is going for two. There's just confusion in the stadium. Like people didn't understand that Cal is going for two. Everyone thought they would go out for the extra point. And that was the moment where I think you really had the opportunity to win the matchup. Because you had the defense that wasn't prepared for the situation. Um, and then we called the timeout, and then we gave them a chance to kind of think it all over. And Arizona dropped, I think, like seven in coverage because we didn't have, we had an empty back set. And, and from there, it felt like it just – there wasn't almost enough room in the end zone. Um, people talked about Bowers having an opportunity to run. I don't really know. Like, it would have been a tough play. I uh, yeah, for me that that running lane, not to inter- interrupt you, but that that one running lane was literally a split second decision. Like if he in that there's a there's a freeze frame that you can grab if you have it on the DVR where if you pause it, you definitely can see a, a clear path running lane if he just takes off then. But as soon as that moment goes away, like he doesn't have that running lane anymore and there was no way he was going to make it. Like it would have been oh god, I hate to admit this, but the Kevin Riley 2007, like the Oregon State run, like it, if if he had taken off a second later, like he wasn't getting into the end zone. So yeah. he made that split second decision not to, and he said that in the post game conference too. He 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 decided not to, and he made the throw, and then all's history. But it was please, a good ball. Please continue. Like he, yes, he threw a good ball. Jordan Duncan, I think, was the intended receiver. And at first, I thought it was VC when I was at the game, but I think it was Duncan, and. uh I mean, he got his hands on the football. And at first, when we talked about this, you were saying that he was going to come down out of bounds. I think he had a shot at it, coming down in bounds with it. It just was one of those things. Like, there's another defender made a good play. But, dude, the receiver's got to get that ball. Like, you are in front of your defender, and you can body him and get your hands on that football. Like, we had a – like, come on. I gripe on Ross Bowers all the time. <laughs> and that was a, I thought it was a good ball. I, I don't know. So I don't have really issues with it. A lot of people have issues with the play call. Um, I don't know what anyone who's saying we're running the ball. Were you guys watching like Vic and where had seven people shed off of him with that fourth down play. Uh, our O line wasn't stopping anyone. Patrick Laird was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. Every single play that he was running the ball in the second half and getting out of those. So, what about you? Where do we, where do you land? So here's the thing. I'm I'm okay with us going for two. I'm totally I'm totally fine with that because for me, rewatching that game, I don't know if our chances would have gone gone higher had we. At least this is my feeling. Not I don't know the 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 statistics or the numbers for it or a win percentage probability, but. At that point, if we didn't go for two, and let's say we did go for one, our offense would have to go back onto the field and, and try and score again, um, and then the defense would have to stop that offense from scoring. And at that point, I'm sure that Arizona probably would have gone for two at, at that point just to just because you're attacking second, and if you get that touchdown, why not try for it? So 
my thing was we had just lost an O-lineman to injury on that fourth down play to score the touchdown, and we would have had to send out an offensive unit with another backup O-lineman on there. That probably would not have ended well um, in terms of how, how quickly we could have gotten into the end zone. And as you said, the defense was gassed. Oh, my goodness. Like, they played their hearts out, and I, I applaud the guys. I mean, wow. Um, what a game defensively in terms of how well they've progressed and evolved over the course of the game. And, of course, the play calling was spectacular. The game plan and the halftime adjustments was spectacular. Uh, but, yeah, I guess the only qualm I have of that final play is I wish we had a, a running back in the backfield on that play just to make sure we kept the defense honest. Because at, at that point, they just pretty much sent everyone. And there was – if we had – if they had done that and we had a, we had a running back uh, just flare out, that could have been an easy pitch touchdown because um, they dropped everyone else back into coverage. So I think if we had that one guy in the backfield, just to keep them honest, it might have actually played out better. I understand why we went five out, um, just because we had the we had the space to operate. Because I think what is it? You put the you put the ball on the five yard line, so or is it three yard line? I can't remember. I thought it was like two and a half. Was that the two and a half? I don't know. Three. It's somewhere. At, yeah, it's within the three yard line, yeah. I believe. But you have you have some space to operate. It's not just the 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 end zone that you're operating out of so you know i'm fine with the gutsy play call um you know a lot i saw a lot of tweets um after the game that said like you know those kind of calls if you if you succeed you're a genius if you fail you're not a genius so yeah um but big time like you're just an idiot (laughs) but but like and that's being harsh but I, i really think that is the reality sometimes with those calls it's like well but we believe in the idiocy yeah. and it's not like Wilcox is a great coach. He's a smart coach. I just think I was totally fine with it. Cal hasn't been competitive in these types of ball games. And for us to be in that situation, people underestimate just how good Arizona has been with Khalil Tate. And this is not like a team that is you know, the Arizona that we all expected. No, if this it's is, Arizona. Yeah. This is not the team that started off the season. This is a totally different team now than it was like four games in arguably one of the best offenses in the country and they're five and two and three and one in conference. I mean, they're in play right now for the South. So like, this isn't just some, you know, average Arizona team that why would Cal do that? Because they're going to win because it's Arizona. No, like this was a, we had bottled up one of the most dynamic players in college football. And by the way, I really wasn't that big of a Khalil Tate fan before the game. And then just watching him in person, he's so much faster and so much more elusive in person than he looks on tape. It's absurd. And he just moves by people and they just shed off of him. At first I was like, yeah, we're just going to tackle him. No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) He's nuts. So I'm fine with it. Like we were the underdog the whole way. If you look at the win probability on ESPN. Yeah, we were. It was like the only time we were had the win probability in our favor outside of when after Matt Anderson hit that field goal was when we were up seven zero. Other than that, it was Arizona almost decidedly the entire time. And then boom, Cal ties it up like 28, 28. And then it comes, goes back to Arizona and then it goes back to cat, like back to even and goes back to Arizona. It's like, it was, it was really Arizona's game to lose more so than it was ours to lose. So 
embrace that underdog mentality and, and go for the upset. Yeah, I'm. I don't know what more we can say about this. I think we're both in agreement that we love the play. We love the decision to go for two. We just maybe have some disappointment about either the execution or what exactly the play call was. Um, I think that's the only qualms we have about it. But that's something that's that's going to be taken game by game. Like next time we're in this type of situation, we decide to go for two. Let's say it happened to Colorado this week. Like I highly doubt that we're going to see another five or five wideout set to try and win it for us just because I do feel like the coaches will make that adjustment um, and just and pre-pick out a play that they think is going to get guarantee them uh, the ball in the end zone. Well, here's the biggest thing, too, is Colorado is a far different opponent right now yep. than Arizona. And if this were the situation against Colorado, I'd say you take the points and we can we can outlast that team. Um, it's it's way different. I mean, Colorado just doesn't really have a quarterback. Isn't it? Uh, isn't it funny though? Just just a couple weeks ago, maybe three three weeks to maybe a month ago, we were looking at this Colorado game, going, "Oh God, that's the fifty fifty game," um, and Arizona is like the surefire win game. Yeah. But then look at how flipped it is um, now. Like we were, we look. You look back at it now. You're like, yeah, that Arizona team is pretty dang good. And now you're looking at this Colorado team going, man, they do not, they look really beatable. Like, they do not look threatening at all. It's wild. It's so crazy. It's wild. College Uh, football, man. College football. Yeah, I never would have thought, like, our breather would be right now against Colorado. And then uh, that Arizona would have been the tough game. I mean, we said it it before, like, Arizona looked awful. Yep. (laughs) Awful. Yeah, totally. Um, but let's let's move on from there. Let's uh, talk about some highlights from the game, um, as much as we possibly can. Do you do you have any uh, big highlights or anything, or do you need a moment? Because I definitely have one. Mm, yeah, I mean, okay. So there's so many. <laughs> so uh, really tough to choose, I suppose. Uh, first of all, Malik's touchdown was awesome. Yes. Matt Anderson's field goal was, was mine. Oh, my, oh, is it? Yeah, but yes, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts? Holy <clears> crap! <throat> <laughs> I mean, when so that was the moment I I sat at the wedding and I turned the game on and it was like I think right before this, like we were just we were on we were marching down the field and then we got stopped and we decided to kick it. It was like a what the hell moment. Uh, why not try it? And the ball centered too, and I was like, "Oh, this might actually, this might actually be perfect." Like Matt Anderson, all he has to do is just catch it right and just slam it right down the middle of the field. But then I realized, holy crap, that's fifty-two yards. That's <laughs> that's half the that's half the field. And then as soon as it leaves his foot, you see it curling. Uh, well, I the camera angle I saw is from behind the field goal, so it starts curling to the right, so to his left, and I'm like, "Oh, this is going out." And then it slightly curls back in, and then it keeps curling back in, and then pretty much just like a couple, I'd say like a yard or so inside of the post. And I I literally jumped out of my seat at the wedding. Uh, thankfully, it was during the, the dance time, so in the dance floor, so no one really noticed. <laughs> but holy, I just jumped out of my seat and I started screaming because that, man, that kick was just, it was a beauty. Uh, that... 
I think for him too, all of the misses that he had leading up to this game, you know, there were there were quite a few misses that he had and that we all thought that he was going to make easily. And he nails probably one of the hardest and most clutch field goals um, for this Cal team, at least this year. And I'm like, all right, that all of your bad memories from this past season, gone. Totally eliminated. Yeah. And all those demons that you had of those missed kicks, off your back. Because that, that right there tied the game up and you were back in the ball game. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Matt Anderson. Matt, Matty Ice, man. Oh, what a kick. What a That kick. was one of the best college kicks or Cal college kicks I think I've ever seen. Uh, talk about, like, your coach having a lot of faith in you. We called two timeouts before it. Yep. <laughs> we literally handed them the game if he missed it. Yep. And um, I don't know if it was to let us get his leg warm or anything like that. But, dude, see, it's really funny hearing you talk about it because – so we were in the student section. Essentially, a rally comm person came over and was like, come into the student section. There really weren't that many people there. So we're in the student section. I saw that thing as straight through the uprights. <laughs> I saw that straight through. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm so far removed. Like, it's really hard to tell. I just saw him put up. I mean, it looked like a line, like perfect on a line. And I was like, oh. And then just celebration in the stands. No, because um, yeah, you, you see it from the side. So you just see how high it goes. You don't see how far left or right it goes. For me... When he's kicking it on TV, I only see the left and right. I don't see how high up he gets. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just it's just point of view, right? It looked like a line drive more so than like a bigger kick, but it, <laughs> I think it would have been good from like 60. Yeah, I think easily easily past 55, that would have been good. It had the height. It definitely had the height. That's It really start, started to feel special there. I mean, I... I I would have bet the house that we were going to win the game at that moment in time. You know, and then we get the interception. Yeah, see, yeah, the interception for me is where I was like, okay, momentum is fully on our side. Because they still had about, well, judging by the stat sheet, the kick was made at a minute and 41 seconds. And judging by the fact that they've been running all over us, they could have easily run it down to like the 35-yard line and just knocked a, you know, a 47-yarder. Um just into into the end zone or into the field goal uprights and that would have been the game but man because they because when they got the ball they started marching down the field and i was like oh this is feeling one of those where they're just gonna keep running on us running on us running on us call it call a timeout like inside our 20 and then they're gonna kick the field goal and i was just praying to god for a field goal miss but holy crap man ashton davis with that clutch interception and then we had 40 seconds left on the clock, and I, I legit thought, wow, we're going to – we might we might actually win this in regulation. Um, I thought it was going to be Matt Anderson for, like, another 45-yarder again. But uh, I guess uh, – let me let me ask you about that. What, how did you feel about the end of regulation? Because we decided not to even take a shot at the end zone. No, no kick whatsoever. Um, we gave the ball back. <laughs> we uh, we were so poor on that offensive possession that we literally gave Arizona the ball back. We had to punt. <laughs> I do not remember. I do not remember that at all. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, unless my memory is serving me incorrectly, which is totally possible. But no, we, I'm, I remember specifically having to punt, and I believe the clock ran out on the kick, and 
that's I mean, we were so bad on that possession. And there was a couple of questions too. Why did Wilcox take the two timeouts? What if we had the two timeouts and the interception? Um, you know, the biggest thing for me is like run Ashton run. If you, however far you take that back is however, you know, how well we will end up. I, I, I think like he needed to score. <laughs> I don't know, man. It just kind of like went back to the Cal offense and you're like, Oh, Oh, well, the thing was, is like we weren't operating an offense that felt like you could get it done with a short clock. Yeah. So it wasn't like the offense was like, well, you know, whatever. We have no offense. It just was like every drive sort of felt like it was this long, drawn out. Even in overtime, it was like this more long and drawn out thing, especially the second overtime. And so when we got it with, you know, so many seconds left, it was more of like, all right, just don't mess this up. You know, don't throw the pick. Don't fumble the ball just don't mess it up. Let's take it into overtime. And exactly as you said, let's take a little bit more of this, uh, you know, the fact that we've had a couple more positive plays go our way. Cause tech technically, I don't know really how much I believe in momentum, especially as you talk about an overtime break, but you take in a little bit of those like, you know, recent, recent plays that are more beneficial to Cal into the extra period and see, um, how it played out just didn't go in our favor. I think that the biggest stat for me, I, you know what? If if someone just gave me the stats of the game, right? They gave me the time of position. They gave me, you know, all the yards, everything. All they kept away from me was the score and the touchdowns. I would have to look at this and say, oh, yeah, Cal definitely looks like they won. Um, which, which even brings up the, the bigger point is, man, if our offense could just operate at just like two ticks higher it would be so much more beneficial for our defense and what they brought pretty much half the game Um, because I think at least the first half they were being run over left and right but they made the adjustments and they they adjusted themselves in the second half but man because look at this I mean we had we had we our third down conversion rate was 13 of 19 theirs was 4 of 10 like we did a pretty dang good job, but at the same time, that's misleading because a lot of their touchdowns came on like sixty-something yard runs on like the second down or like on first down. So, I guess that's you. You take you got to take both hand in hand. Um, but yeah, uh, is there any other any other positives, or should we move on to the negatives? I guess we're kind of on the negatives already. Yeah, we can move the negatives. I mean, there was plenty. There are plenty of things to like from the game. Thought it was definitely the best game that I've seen Patrick Laird play. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, why we forgot talking about that? That Statue of Liberty call. Yeah, oh, that was awesome. Oh my god, <laughs> I didn't even know that was in the playbook. Like, I, like, how, <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> Boise State. That's a Boise State pull. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was the perfect like misdirection. Um, it was a counter. It was weird because it was it was like a. It was a counter Statue of Liberty play where Bowers threw it, had it with his left hand, left hand behind his back. Patrick Blair comes from the right, picks it up, plants his foot, and then cuts back to the right side. Right, yeah. Um, and gets it. So it was a – I've never seen that before. I've never seen a counter Statue of Liberty play. So I have to go out – I have to – that reminds me. I, I wanted to rewatch that play. Um, and watch it in depth because I wanted to see if that was something designed where he was supposed to cut back or if it's something as he was running, he saw 
the left side of the line pretty much get demolished, and he had to bounce it back to the right side, and it just took everyone off guard. But, man, that was a gutsy play call, too, to, to call in a trick play like that um, to, to end the – or to get that touchdown. But what was the, what was the feeling like when you – do you realize that a Statue of Liberty play had just happened when the touchdown was made? No, no. <laughs> no. my, my thought on that is you know it would have been nice to run that in the how dope would have been to win in double ot on that play yeah i just think like we used it too early of all hilarious things like you, we used it too early <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe if you ran it again you might even catch them more off guard because they're they're probably thinking they're not going to run the same play twice true i don't know that seems once you've seen it you're probably like all right Fool yeah. me once. Fool me once type deal. I do that all the time in Madden. You run, Yeah, me too. I beat you I, I beat you with a Hail Mary. I'm going to do Hail Mary again. I run the tight end post like 95% of my plays. Pretty much. You'll never know. Is it a run on the left side or a tight end post? <laughs> You'll never know. You'll never know. All right. Let's, um, let's move on to the, the negatives. Uh, any negative points from this game you, you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, that interception in the end zone for Bowers was yeah. devastating. And I happened to be visiting a friend of mine in that section and, like, was literally watching the play. I was like, okay, hold up. It was an Arizona fan. So I was like, hold up. Got to watch a score right here. And, oh, man, that was a bad pass. <laughs> that's, oh. that's why we lost now. We're going to blame it on Andy leaving the student section. That's yeah. what we're going to pin it on. <laughs> Andy left the student section to talk to an Arizona fan is why we lost this game. <laughs> that or the wave, which was very controversial if you didn't hear it about was. it on Twitter. That's very, very controversial. Very controversial. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was there, front row seat for that. And, I mean, yeah, it, it mattered a lot. Like, that mistake took points off the board. And in a game where we lost by one, like, that arguably had the biggest impact. Tough to say at that point in time in the ball game, but... Uh, I think that was the one that uh, really felt – I mean, Ross had a couple really bad throws, mm-hmm. really bad throws that took points off the board. And um, you got to love the guy for what he does, and then I think you also have to appropriately critique him for the things that he does that are less than ideal. And he has some throws there that – you just have some ones where, you, where everyone would turn to each other and be like, what was that? Yeah. And, it's just not the feeling that you really want to have. And that's really my biggest take, like thing with Ross is he's, he seems like you're like blue collars, strap it up. Like I'll, you know, I'll do it, whatever it takes for this team. But some of the intangibles that I'd look for, like being able to deliver a, a pretty consistent ball to his receivers. Like there's just times when he puts way too much air under one or he misreads like what the defense is showing him. And there was that one play, I forget exactly what it was, whether it was in the drive where we're trying to tie the game where he like threw it directly to the linebacker that dropped into coverage and he almost picked it off, but it barely fell to the ground. And that would have been the ball game. That was before the Matt Anderson field goal, I believe. So, uh, you know, there's some question marks there, but it's hard to really fault this team. They're super young and, uh, you know, the defense defense just couldn't handle the running game i mean zach green how many players does arizona have thrown out due to targeting two and one was crazy because it was on an offensive possession which i've never seen before i've never seen an offensive player get called for targeting dude he lit 
up that whoever that was. Yeah, uh, I don't remember who it was either. He lit them up. It was like, oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, so they lose their starting running back, and in comes Zach Green, who absolutely just tears us to pieces. 130 yards, six and a half a carry, two touchdowns. We could not contain him. So I have serious concerns about our ability to slow down uh, Lindsey this weekend for Colorado and especially looking a little bit ahead at Bryce Love. Like That's going to be a t- really tough matchup. You know, we talked about Knezic having a really good game, mm-hmm. and I said that it was misleading. Mm-hmm. The only reason why I say it's misleading is because he was making tackles four or five yards down the field. Now, I haven't watched, like, the entire tape, but you can see it, like, two tackles for loss, 14 total tackles. Like, a lot of those plays were coming when they had already gained one, two, three, four yards going downfield. And so it felt like it didn't really feel like the defense stood out the same way where it really felt like we stood out against Washington State. Yeah, I mean, I'll play I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate about the Jordan Kanasich stuff, and I'll say, well, isn't it still better that – the top three tacklers during this game was our linebackers instead of having, let's say, safeties as our or cornerbacks as our top two guys. Well, if you're trying to get me to make a comment about the Sunny Dykes era of Cal football, this is a, <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty appropriate time. Yeah, I mean, uh, but, yeah, I'm impressed. I'm I I think, yeah, I'm with you on that. That it definitely did not seem like our defense was the same defense we saw just a week ago. Um, and that they definitely did look gassed. They looked tired, especially towards the end of the fourth quarter and overtime. And, of course, they're not going to admit it, but it's it's purely just a numbers thing. Like, we just don't have the bodies to be able to spell guys. And in terms of football, since it's such a heavy contact sport, you need fresh legs in there um, constantly rotating in to get guys some rest, especially your star guys. And if your star guys aren't getting rest and they're getting run on every single down, they're going to get gassed. And that's, for me, that that was it. Like, it was one of those, like, yeah, what, there's nothing we can do. Like, we can't, there's not more people we can call into this game to play linebacker. Yeah, and that's the thing that comes up this weekend is exactly that. Um, you know, you're going to see some form of, uh, Steven Montez or maybe it's maybe not uh, but it, you know there's going to be a dual threat quarterback behind there somewhere um, I would be shocked like why in the world would Mike McIntyre not dial up exactly what Arizona did after watching our defense yep. it's going to be you don't have as a dynamic of a player as you would have in Khalil Tate Khalil Tate made all the difference there I mean, you just didn't see like what we were able to accomplish against Luke Falk sending guys doing corner blitzes, you know, throwing pressure on the, putting all that pressure on the quarterback absolutely wasn't the case of what we were able to do. You know, we had times where we, we were able to chase Khalil Tate down, get him outside the pocket. He still managed to turn these plays where you're like, oh, the Bears are going to get a sack. And, like, I was doing the Bear trap clap, and it actually probably was a gain of <laughs> two yards. <laughs> so, um, but it, it was pretty concerning from the, defensive perspective and i think that's exactly it uh which is why like you start to see like my appetite for our recruiting class and there's so many good signs there is becoming greater because now it's like okay cool that's what we did with this defense that hasn't had the bodies over the last three four years 
Now, as you start adding in some serious star talent into that, then what can you do? Yeah, I mean, we just got another defensive commit, a JC defensive commit, just last night, I believe. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's another another big D line talent um, coming in, and just a big another big body that can play. So there's there's so many guys um, that we're gonna see play on this D line next year, and we're not even talking about guys that redshirted this year too. Um, guys like just uh, Ziande, who by far should have been our starting outside linebacker. Uh, and he's going to have a chance to play next year. Game Cherry apparently looks really good um, after spending a, a year in strength and conditioning on already his 25-year-old-looking man body. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you guys got you guys got like, or we got guys like uh, Siu, uh, the guy from uh, Okinawa, and then alongside these new guys coming in like Antonio Mafi. Um, and then the guy that just committed last night, I'm not going to say his name because I feel like I'm going to butcher it. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that, that the, they're building from the, def- the defensive side. But at the same time, I would like to see at least one or two decently good offensive talents, like not diamonds in the rough, but more so like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to be good. Um, I would like to see... <laughs> Casimir Allen, if you're listening to this, please commit. That would that would be so helpful. Um, and if you're listening to this, I will be amazed. Yeah. <laughs> wow, uh, but yeah, I think he could be a really big big hit here. I mean, of course, the fact we get Trey Watson back next year that's that alone is huge. Along with the fact that we still get Laird next year too. So Trey Watson and Laird next year looks like a pretty good pairing at running back for me. Uh, but we're yeah. looking way too far ahead. We get Demetrius, uh, man. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And we get Demetrius back probably for his last season. So, yeah, I mean, on the recruiting side, you got Nico, uh, JT quarterback, um, and Will Craig O-line. You got, a, you got a couple of O-line guys, and then you got uh, McAllen Castles at tight end, um, and they're still going after a couple guys. So, Oh, we're going after big guys. Like, yeah. there's – I forget who it was who just put us in the top five, but I mean, it's like these are not like your three star under the radar. Let's celebrate. No, these these are these are guys time. that are these are guys that are going to announce who, where they're going to college at, like the U.S. Army All America game or the Under Armour All America game or the Polynesian game. Like that's the type of guys we're going after right now. So we'll see how that plays out, um, but. Any closing thoughts, or should we move on to our awards from this Arizona game? Closing thoughts are, it just was a game that I came away from. There's not many times in my life where I've walked out of a Cal Stadium with a loss on, and just sort of been like, it was a great game, and I was just happy to be there. Because, you know, I always want Cal to win. Yes, this was one of those times that I walked out of the game and just sort of said, you know what, like, tip the cap, Arizona, great game. But like, how how could you be mad? It's so much fun to watch. It was so it was just like so refreshing to watch that type of game. We were out of that game. Yep. We didn't have any reason to be in that game. Nope. And in the past, we've lost those games by thirty points. We've walked out of the stadium and been like, "Well, there's another cow game down the drain." This was not that. I think the competitiveness that we've seen at Memorial Stadium week over week over week over week. The biggest disappointment is it is in the crowds, and I just like 
we got to get these people back because every person that's staying, I guarantee you, isn't saying same old cow. They're walking out of there and being like, that was a fun Saturday night. Yep. We just need to get the students back. And I don't know what it is about this generation, but they just do, at least at our school, they just do not care about football. Uh, so, so scary. If I'm the, 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 more, the thing that scares me more is if this is how football is, oh my God, basketball might be a wreck. Like with no Ivan Rabbert and like no star guy. Oh my God, basketball, the bench, especially because our student section for basketball lines, the lines courtside. Yeah. Oh, that could look really bad on TV um, if that's the case. So I'm not overly worried about basketball just because I think basketball is kind of the hot sport right now. You know, it, the NBA has gotten a, a lot of publicity lately. So you think yeah, people are still going to show despite the fact that we don't have, like, really big-name guys or are expected to do well this year? Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm really interested in basketball. I'm really interested to watch Marcus Lee play. I uh, really want to see, but, and, and I don't feel like I'm overly close to the program. You know, as a casual fan, I'd say I'm genuinely interested in going and I got hooked last year. I got hooked by going to those 10 games and I was like, Oh, the environment's awesome. And then it just, you know, even though it was disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, so got, I, I don't know. I got you hooked. I, I definitely, I definitely coerced you to come to Cal basketball games and you're now a fan of Cal basketball as well. <laughs> I was not, diehard not for two years, yeah, and no. then I retired, uh, and then, yeah, exactly. You revived me from the dead. Yep, yep. All right, here's my closing thought. Here's my closing thought. 2013 is the last time Arizona played at Cal. Cal lost to Arizona that year, 38-33, to 33, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that's the 2013 season. I remember that year. That was the one game we pointed to outside of the win against Portland State, which we wouldn't even have pointed to. That was the one game we were like, that, should that was a good game. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that yep. was the one. Oh, that season brutal. But what happened after that? Cal basketball, 2013-2014. In the month of January, or was it February, number one ranked Arizona walks in the Haas Pavilion, tied under 10 seconds left. Justin Cobbs runs the ball up. Caleb Tarzuski on him. Hop steps off one foot towards the, the left baseline. Fadeaway jumper in Tarzuski's face. Nails the two. And Cal beats, knocks off number one Arizona at Haas. That's what happened in 2013. History repeats itself. So <laughs> be on the lookout there, my friends. Be on the lookout there. And who are we going to see in that stadium? Me and you. No, but uh, what player on Arizona? Uh, lots of good players. <laughs> what about your favorite? Oh, uh, yeah, Ira Lee. Yeah. Yeah, sadly. My Korean brethren <laughs> did, did not decide to join us. Well, you can wear a Marcus Lee jersey instead and count it all the same. I don't know if I want to buy that basketball jersey. That looks hideous. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Rob. I, I don't know. I'll, I, yeah, we'll see. We'll see which one I decide to get. If they sell the gold one, I might get the gold one. But oh, the blue one does not look that great, especially after seeing it in person at Media Days. Oh, really? Yeah. Looks worse in person? It does. It looks like a cheap knockoff. 
Um, but that's no. neither here nor there. Let's uh, let's move on to our awards quickly so we can move on to other things. Your offensive MVP, Andy. Uh, Laird. All right. Um, for me, I think I think it has to be Kanavai. Um, but I will give Kanavai one A, and I'll give Vic and Wary one B, purely because of that fourth down touchdown um, in to to force the game. That was Dude, incredible. He was. I I saw the game end. I saw it end, <laughs> and then he bounced off those guys and he went into the end. I, that was that was ridiculous. Every person in the section was like, "Oh, game over. Time to yeah. go." As soon as and he then, got first contact in the backfield, I think everyone just went. Ugh, it's over. But then you close your eyes and then you open them back up, and he's still up, churning into the end zone. Yep. Yeah, that's a great pick on uh, kind of why I was. He's so value from the value standpoint. I think yep. if you looked at it, you know, the argument every year is how valuable is the MVP. I mean, Noah was the difference between like just having them out there on the field versus when we didn't have them against Washington. It's so noticeable. Yeah, I mean. Every week is such a pleasure to watch Noah play because you rarely see that type of wide receiver um, with his tenacity and his like just grit in order to just beat guys and come down with clutch catch after clutch catch after clutch catch. Well, that's a tongue twister right there. Uh, all right, moving on. Our defensive MVP. Do you have one? Yeah. Um. It's not going to be my boy Funch just this this game though. Mm. I thought Jer- I thought uh, Jaron Brown or Garen Brown uh, really stood out this game. Right? more so like he stepped up a lot, so he was the one that kind of had to fill in with Devonte down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought he he played really well. Like his name was called a lot on tackles. Like once again, it's like tough when you're in the, sta- the stadium to uh, see it as much. Like. I think last week I chose Bynum. Bynum got beat a couple times on really big plays. Yeah. Uh, so can't go DBs this time. So I'm going going with the uh, the walk-on. Fun fact about Garen Brown there is um, if you watch the uh, practice conferences from earlier this week, he talks about um, the Arizona game. And one of the cool things was a lot of people were pointing out how Devontae Downs was on the sidelines with the headset on. And apparently... Garen Brown said that Devontae was helping out him a lot because Garen Brown was, I guess, the one that had the headset um, radio in his helmet, and he was the one making calls. And Devontae constantly was talking in his ear, saying like, oh, hey, move move one step over to the left in your in your ready stance. Um, like, watch watch the running back on this one. Like, he, he was constantly talking to him and helping him adjust and, and telling him where his natural position should be um, pre-snap and also, you know, post-snap, like rounding him up. So I thought that was really cool um, to see that Devontae was that involved in the in the defensive, not maybe not the play calling, but the coaching up aspect of it. That's, yeah. I think that's that's you can't ask for more from your senior linebacker who's who's now out for the season. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so unsung hero here, actually for me, defensive MVP. Um, I'm going to give it to the clutch guy, Ashton Davis. That that interception, without a doubt. Um, so I'm just going to give it to the highlight reel. I'm going to go with the mainstream pick. All right. Um, unsung hero. Do we have one for this game? I, I think I got one. 
Yeah, it's Matt Anderson for me. Matt Anderson, yeah, that was the same for me. Um, just because a lot of people are not going to talk about that 52-yard field goal um, because there are, there's a lot more things to talk about, but that 52-yard field goal, holy crap, as we talked about. Yeah, just amazing. Surprise player, you got one for this game? Uh, surprise player for the game. I, I have one. I think, I think I have to go with Vic on this one again because... Because where he was kind of missing over the last few weeks, uh, and I feel like here he just he came back to life. Like he ran mad. Like after the Washington State game, he was pretty dang good. And then in this one, he didn't get the yard totals that you saw, but he made like just pounding run after pounding run on downs that we needed. And when we called his number. Okay, so I think mine is actually going to be Brandon Singleton. He had a really critical drop, but then he was making plays like uh, he had that one insanely tight catch. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but I, do not. I, I think he was like coming back to Bowers and Bowers put it like way over his head. And he was like, so he's like running back to the quarterback and leaping up in the air and came down with it for a critical first down. But he stood out and he's someone that, you know, definitely has, I was, I have a lot of hope for him, um, but you haven't quite seen him jump off as much as maybe we'd expect so far this year. Yeah, he played uh, He played really well. Yeah, all right. Um, and then our last award, or not award, but just the thing is, who do you think is going to be our bounce-back player of the week this upcoming week in Colorado? Bounce-back player of the week. Uh Man, I think I might actually give it to James Looney. Oh, wow. Okay. I expect him to be much more of an actual presence in this game. I just didn't really see him. Like, we see Looney every single game. I just didn't think he stood out to me this last game. So, bounce back player for me is Mr. Looney. Yeah, for me, I think I'm going to just have to put the cornerbacks as a whole. I think, uh, of course, everything goes hand in hand uh, when you talk about football, but the defend the defensive backs in this type of way when play back like this he's just a good thrower of the ball um, but you you want him to throw you want to force him to throw and let your DBs make plays clearly didn't do that and on plays that he did throw he burned our DBs pretty badly um, so that's why I think our DBs are going to clean things up and be a lot better this upcoming week against Colorado yeah totally fair all right. Um, well, we're not going to have a uh, preview podcast for this week just because we decided to record this pretty late. So we're going to talk about the Colorado game for a couple of minutes here. Andy, you did the offensive preview for the Colorado game. Um, what are your thoughts on the Colorado offense? Um, I mean, they really don't have anything figured out. So uh, they have no quarterback. <laughs> So their quarterback, it's kind of weird because when you actually look at Steven Montez, like that was their starter at the beginning of the year and he played last year as well. He actually really didn't start off all that bad. And even at his worst, he still really wasn't that bad. Like I think we would have taken his performance at equal to Ross Bowers. But then last game he started off like four for 13 with 21 yards and like the offense, like Mac Mike and, Sorry, Mike McIntyre just said that he was missed making a ton of bad reads. 
And so he pulled him out of the game. And then he also said that Sam Neuer, who's a freshman dual threat quarterback, was going to be in the conversation. And that Casey Marksberry, who's a freshman walk-on, uh, was in the conversation. So now you have like three totally like in week eight of the season, you just blew up your entire offense at, at the quarterback position. The only thing that I can definitively say we will have to watch out for and someone will, who will excel this Saturday is Philip Lindsay. Who's their running back. He's uh, already over a thousand yards, I believe for the season. Uh, and they lean heavily on him, like 41 times against Arizona, which is just absurd. So they're going to lean into the run. I would expect us to have a hard time with it, actually. And I think that's the only thing in my mind that makes this game close. Otherwise, I think Cal has the edge in most aspects of this game. Yeah, I I looked at a little bit of the Colorado tape, and it definitely looks like they're going to lean on Lindsey a lot, especially after seeing what you saw from this game. Um, And, yeah, that's... It's going to be the same thing. No matter who comes out at quarterback, it's it's going to be the same basic game plan like we had against Arizona. Stop them from running, force them to throw, and capitalize on their mistakes when they decide to pass. Will we have the bodies to do it on, def- on defense? Uh, we'll see. Uh, will we have the bodies to do it on the offensive end, judging from you know our O-line injuries? We'll see about that, too. Uh, we just don't know. I mean, our coaching staff is such so tight-lipped on injuries up until, like, two hours before the game. So we definitely won't know who our starting linemen are, will be uh, until until right before the game starts, since none of us are going to be there. So um, what do you think? Uh, I know you didn't do a defensive preview, but offensively, what do, what do we need to do um, in order to win defense or offensively, you think? Mm. Uh, tough to say uh, I, I mean I think you need to have what's really interesting is it seems like we haven't seen Vic and Patrick Laird have equally good games in the same game mm. uh, I Very feel good. like we've seen one have flashes or the other and it, so it seems like both of them are uh, more I, I think more so Vic is more of a momentum back Vic's best game came later against Washington State when we just kept feeding him and feeding him and feeding him and feeding him and then he really churned up the yards but then you look at last game and he's like averaging two yards a carry again and it's frustrating to watch so I think you need to have both running backs have a solid game and then um, you know, really like you kind of hit the nail on the head we can't afford any more injuries on the offensive side of the ball so if we stay healthy uh, are able to get the ball to Noah and Dick Borden I think this is a game we can win like 21 to 10 24 to 14 and i i don't know like if we'll go we'll really need to score more than that but that's sort of where my head's at right now there you have it um is that your prediction for the game too 24 24 14 yeah what about you i'm gonna put it at a 28 12 28 12 yep i i think they score four touch or four field goals I think our defense comes out pretty pretty angry after their performance against Arizona and decide to put the clamp down against Colorado. I just don't know how we're going to stop the run. I don't either. I'm just I'm just uh making predictions here. 
<laughs> you're just... I don't, I don't, I don't do this to make uh, very, very uh, informed decisions of my. I'm just, I'm just making predictions here. I'm just throwing out numbers at this point. I like it. All right, that's fair. All right, well, that wraps it up for us uh, here for the Bearcast this week. Um, we will be back next week uh, against Oregon State, and then we have a bye week. So maybe we'll have a guest on during the bye week, uh, but. As of right now, um, Andy, do you have any more stuff going up on the website other than your uh, offensive preview for Colorado that's already up? That's it for me right now. What about you? Uh, As of this week, I do not think I have anything going up, Uh, but we will see. Maybe there's some breaking basketball news that happens or football news. Yeah. Um, But for now, no. Uh, So, yeah, you can go take a read on that at CaliforniaGoldenBlocks.com. We do have some exciting news coming up. Uh, We did get some emails about some some certain things and we'll be uh we'll be we'll be looking into those things so yeah i have to be really vague (laughs) about this i'm not allowed i don't think i'm not allowed i'm allowed to say a lot about it so we're being really vague so just but just i'm just saying be on the lookout on our website and also on our twitter account um i think i think it'll be a pretty interesting upcoming couple months or so so yeah wait what did you are you talking specifically about the blog uh i think overall not just not just the blog, but the 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 podcast as well. Wow! So, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I like it. All right. Breaking news coming from Rob. Breaking Hit him up on news. Twitter. Breaking news. All right. That wraps it up for us. Uh, you can find me at Rob Eleven H W A N G on Twitter. You can find Andy at Andy J Beast Mode, and you can find all our stuff at CaliforniaGoldenVlogs dot com. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. <laughs>